Okay, so if you've got your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up. We're going to continue in Matthew, Matthew 5. We're going to look at some stuff from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I will tell you, in my opinion, uh, of living a life as a Christian, as I try to do, this is the hardest thing that Jesus says to do, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's the most counterintuitive way to live, and he just throws it at us right here. So we're going to read this, and then we're going to break this down a little bit, and I'll tell you how we're going to handle this information, because I think it is so incredibly difficult, especially right now in the world that we live in. Okay, so we're going to start in verse 43. The topic right there, the header above it says, teaching about love for enemies. Right? Like gut punch right off the bat. I already don't like this part. Okay? So we're going to read this and then we're going to talk a little bit. So it says this. This is Jesus talking, the Sermon on the Mount. He's preaching. He's just dishing out wisdom. Uh, This is Jesus talking. If you've got your Bible, it's probably red letters. This is lots of Jesus in this part. It says this. Jesus says this. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect." So as we read that, let's just kind of come to some conclusions together. Can we all agree that what he's telling us to do, like you can't like, well, if you take it in this context or really that time of the year or what was going on right here when he was saying that, there's no way that we can come to a different conclusion other than he's asking us to love everyone. Nod your head if you're with me on that. Okay, some of you are not with me on that. I can read it again if you need to. Um, So we need to love everyone, right? It says to love everyone. You don't have to like this, but this is what it says, right? So we're going to say the call to action here is to love everyone. That's what Jesus is telling us, even people we don't like, especially people we don't like, okay? So that's what we've got. Here's the problem with this, and I'm going to just kind of go off my own life for today's message and assume that you guys are probably somewhere around me on this. The problem with this passage is I don't like it at all because loving your enemies is very difficult. Nod your head if you're with me. Very difficult, okay? So this is a problem. And what I want to do is I really want to break down this passage and really, really talk about this idea of loving our enemies and how do we get there and why would he say that and why was this such like incredibly radical teaching at the time. But I'm not going to do that this week. Because as I prayed about this stuff this week, I got lots to say about this. I'm, I'm very excited to break this down. But I couldn't help but feel like we've got this problem that it's hard to love our enemies. But I think we also right now in the current climate of our society and our world, I think we have a problem within that problem. And the problem is a lot of us are just a hot mess right now. I mean, just tense all of the time, just more so than ever. And I think there's lots of things pouring into that, but we see it here in the church all the time. Divorce, 
through the roof. Suicide, through the roof. Anxiety, through the roof. Depression, through the roof. Child abuse, through the roof. All of this stuff has had a dramatic increase. And there's lots of factors, and I'm not getting into the factors of if it's good or bad or if you should or shouldn't be stressed. But the truth of the matter is, from what we're seeing out in, in, in the church, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about believers, is we have this kind of feeling right here all of the time. Like, raise your hand if you could go for like an hour-long neck massage, and that would be fantastic, right? Because we're always just, we're so stressed. There's so much stuff going on. We've got this kind of like COVID hangover thing going on that that just like really messed us up. Right, we were stuck inside, and then it was really weird. Then we got really mad about that, and then we've got political stuff that maybe you're not good with, and then we've got just like social climate stuff, and then we've got stuff with the economy that's freaking us out. What in the world's going to happen? We're just very, 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 very tense, and within that tension, that usually comes out like within our home. So now our houses, there's lots of problems in our houses. So we're always, always like a little more tense, right? We're just kind of like a little more defensive, and a little more mean and a little more hurt than we ever have been before. I'm 40, and I, I really feel like I, I've, never, I've never felt the way. I would never, ever consider myself to have any, any part of anger problems whatsoever. But I can safely say, do not cut me off on 281, right? <laughs> like, I don't know where it came from. I'm just like, I'm like mad, like right now. I can get angry like right now. And I think we see it so much. It's wild, right? So it's a problem. And the reason this is a problem is because what this does is this kicks us into survival mode, right? And in survival mode, all we can see is this tunnel vision on the thing we are focusing on. The thing we are stressed out about the most, that is all we focus on. We have this tunnel vision. We are just trying to survive, right? It's like a fight or flight thing. Like we are just fighting right now for everything. We're fighting for this. We can't have other conversations. We're just so focused on this because it just has to happen. We just have to get this solved. We can't lose focus. They're coming after us, right? Like we're just so, we're so tense. So the problem with survival mode is this idea of you loving someone that you do not like is almost comical to suggest when a lot of us are having trouble liking the person that we wake up next to every morning. You know what I mean? And that's funny, but it's kind of not funny and kind of probably like a little more true than you want it to be. It's really difficult to say, yes, let's talk about how you can love your enemies. When we have problems, we got beef with people in this church. They believe the same thing as you, and we're just so tense all of the time. And I think it's a real problem. I think it really is. I think it's really confusing for people that aren't Christians. People are leaving the church right now faster than ever. Faster than ever. And I think a lot of the reason is it's kind of confusing because we act just how they act. And there's supposed to be some kind of difference. And I think we'll see next week a big way we can separate ourselves is how we treat other people. But for today... For today, what I want to do, what I want you to do is take a little bit of self-inventory to kind of see, like, if you're in a spot where you could even, like, consider the notion of thinking of an enemy being someone that you love. And if you can't, that's okay. You're not alone. Because I think the main problem we have right now, as far as this talk is concerned, is we can't quite get to this part of loving our enemies because the stress level is so high. 
and because we are just in survival mode. Are you with, do you agree with this? Are you with me a little bit? Four of you are. Thanks, Mom. Okay. So, well, I'm talking no matter what, whether you agree or not. So, let's recap, okay? This is this. So, we're asked to love everyone. The problem, it's hard to love people that we don't love, right? Think of the most annoying person that you know. Think of the person that just seeing them makes you, whoa, like you're, that's the one we're supposed to love. That's tricky, right? That's a problem. The problem within the problem is it's very difficult to even get in the mindset of considering loving that person because we are surrounded by such high stress. We are constantly in survival mode. So the remedy for this high stress situation is we need to find some kind of cure, right? We need to get that, that stress down a little bit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today I'm going to give you a cure, a literal cure for high stress. This is not, not this, we're keeping big pharma out of this. They're not even involved. This isn't a pill you're going to take, right? This is good old-fashioned, God-given ability that we have to, to, to lower your stress. There is no argument whether you believe in God or don't believe in God. There is no argument that this will absolutely Lower your stress, guaranteed, if you can make yourself do it. Are you ready for it? This is the cure. It's not the only cure. It's a cure, but one I think we kind of have forgotten about a little bit. You ready? Here's your cure. Have funner. Okay? Hang with me on this, okay? Some of you are like, oh my gosh, this is so silly. This is ridiculous. We're in church. This needs to be serious. This is a stressful time in this economy. Right? Stay with me. Stay with me on this, okay? This is a little more scientific and probably a little more scriptural than you want to believe. Have funner, okay? So this word funner makes everyone very uncomfortable because they're like, is that even a word? Can you say have funner? Is that a thing? This came from when I was a youth pastor here, we kind of had like, we knew we wanted to bring glory to God in all the things that we did, right? All the things, we wanted to make sure there was some difference from us than other people. So we always said, we're going to work harder, we're going to be nicer, and we're going to have funner, right? So whatever we were doing, we were going to outwork everyone. We wanted it to be confusing how hard we were working. We wanted to be nice to everyone that we came in contact with, even the people that we didn't like. Next week is called Be Nicer, but that's next week, okay? So that's nicer, right? Those two make sense. The one that everyone kind of laughs at is this third one of having funner. And I want to tell you, it's a really big deal to have some fun. We can't constantly live in this state. It's not sustainable. It's not attractive. Why would anyone want what you have? Why would anyone want Jesus if you are constantly in this state of stress and anxiety and proving you're right and they're wrong all of the time? Why would they want it? It's confusing, right? So this idea of having funner, I'm gonna suggest to you do as much research as you want on the idea of doing the things I'm going to suggest you do to have funner. You will not find anything that says having funner is bad for you. It is so good for every part of you to have some fun. And this is responsible fun. Let's make sure we talk about that. Right? Let's make sure that fun that we're going to have, we're proud of that decision eight hours later. Okay? Not like the fun of like, yeah, I had five margaritas the other day. It was super fun for a while. But then the next day, not that fun. This is fun that you're proud of. Okay? Legitimate, let's just have fun. You guys have very serious looks on your faces. I'm a little concerned. 
Maybe I'm talking to the right crowd, okay? So we got to have funner, okay? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some ways that you can responsibly have funner. These are going to seem silly, but I think you may have forgotten about these a little bit, okay? I have. I consider myself to be a very fun person. I have lots of issues. I have lots of self-esteem issues with lots of things. I have lots of things that I struggle with. I have never thought of myself as not being fun. I'm a good hang. You know what I mean? Like, I'm fun to be around. I know it. I'm proud of it. I'm happy. But I can tell you, over the last couple of years, I think that's kind of dropped a little bit. I don't think I'm quite as fun as I used to be. Okay? I'll give you a story here at the end. But here's what we do. So how do we have funner? Here's a big one here. Here's number one. If you're not taking notes, you should be writing this down because we're not doing very good at this. Okay? So the first thing we should do is this. Laugh. Mm, You guys remember laughter? Remember that? Remember when you used to laugh so much? Look how serious some of your faces are. It makes me nervous. We have to laugh more. You have to laugh. Say, I have to laugh more. You must laugh. You have to laugh more. If I said, okay, there's a laugh meter based off of this last week, 1 to 10, 10 being you laughed all of the time, 1 being you didn't laugh that much. You don't have to say this. What would your laugh meter be? Like, where are you at? Right? Like, really think about that. Like, how much are you laughing? And some of you are great. I'm not, I'm not saying this is for everyone. But some of you are not great. Right? So your goal for your laugh meter is to come back next week three points higher. All right? We want to be three above where we are. If you're a six, let's take it to a nine this week. Okay? I want you to focus on laughing. Trust me on doing this, please. Please trust me. Talk to doctors. Talk to anyone. There is so much science behind why laughter is such an incredible stress reducer. It completely eases tension in you and allows you to stop thinking about the thing that you're so focused on and you can start to breathe again and then you can regroup. There's not there's no study. It might make you upset. You need to laugh more. We've got to laugh more. There is so much to laugh about. Sophie Scott's this neuroscientist. She spends lots of time on the importance of laughter. She says that laughter are found in these three things. So if you're looking to laugh, here's three ways you can laugh. The first one is tickling. This one might not be for everyone, okay? Real quick, find someone you don't know and give them a quick tickle. (laughs) Tickling's probably not the appropriate thing for everyone, but maybe that's your thing, okay? So tickling, right? Tickling a way we can laugh. The next is playing, right? Just having fun. We're going to get into how we do that here in a second. But just playing. Just, Just playing. Just doing it. All right? And we'll get into how we play in a second. Interactions. Have interactions with people. You are 30 times more likely to laugh like an actual, like the inv- they call it involuntary laughing. Right? So you have like the voluntary laughing, which is like the, like the social cue laugh, where I say something, you know you're supposed to laugh, and you give it the ha, 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 right? Like the, ha, that was funny, Mike, right? But the involuntary laugh is when your rib cage like goes nuts and you can't control it and you make this, no- this noise comes out of you that you can't even replicate. You can't replicate your involuntary laugh, right? You got, so my wife's not here today, so let's make fun of her, okay? So <laughs> she's watching this. I'll get in trouble later, but it's going to be worth it. Jen has an incredible involuntary laugh. 
Like, it is like, I can't even explain what's happening when she, like, legitimately is laughing. It, it's like, <laughs> like, it's like a weird, it's like a weird, it's a weird thing, but I love it. And you guys are like, well, I've never heard Jen laugh like that. And you want to know why? Because you're not that fun, all right? So if you want to hear Jen laugh, be funner. Laugh more. It's important to laugh. There is so much science behind this. If you think Jesus, as you read his journey with his disciples, wasn't having fun with those guys and laughing a lot, you are crazy. You are crazy. I promise you, Jesus is fine with you laughing. Find a way to laugh more. You want to lower that high stress? Have funner. You want to have funner? Laugh some more. I have a daughter, Ophelia. I'm going to show you a picture. I'm going to give you a cheat on your smile for today, okay? This is Ophelia. Call her O-O. O-O is smiling all of the time. O-O will laugh at anything. I mean, legitimately belly laugh at anything. She is down. Ophelia is fun. Ophelia laughs at everything. And sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what you're laughing at. Like, it's not funny. But she laughs at everything. You know who's not that stressed? Ophelia, <laughs> right? She is laughing. Life is good. And it's like, well, she's three. She doesn't have the problems that I have. But you know what? I think Ophelia gets something that we don't get. It's just life. It's just here. Living it right now. Enjoy it. Laugh more. I coach 10U girls fast pitch softball. Have you guys ever been around a group of girls 8 to 10 years old? Sometimes they start laughing at nothing, and what happens? They all start laughing, and they cannot stop. They cannot stop laughing. You want to know why? Because laughing is contagious. Rarely are you probably like, I mean, cackling, laughing, just sitting alone in your car. Maybe sometimes, maybe hear something funny, but realistically, the key to laughter, we, we can tickle, right? We can play, or we can focus on having intentional interactions, right? So we want stress to go away, let's laugh a little more. The next thing is this, I want you to find the fun, okay? Here's the good and bad news about fun. Fun is not an action, it is a feeling. So the bad news about that is you can't just say, I'm going to do X, therefore that equals fun, right? But the good news is you get to decide what fun is and what is fun, right? So, for example, if I'm sitting watching the Cowboys do what the Cowboys do, right, and I'm watching that, and I'm probably a little frustrated if I'm watching the Cowboys, right? So I'm watching them, and my girls come in front of me, and they're jumping up and down, and want me to do, they do this thing where they just run around in circles. I don't know why, they just run around in circles. And they want me to run around in circles. I can decide if that is annoying and bothers me, or I can hop in running in the circles and have fun with them. Fun is a choice. Now, obviously, doing things that are prone to have more fun, for you, you know what those things are. But it's an important thing for you to choose to find some fun, because it doesn't always come to you. Okay. So Catherine Price wrote this book called How to Break Up with Your Phone, which you might want to read. It's a pretty good one, okay? She talks about fun happening when these three things happen, right? So when these, all three of these things come together at once, this is what equals fun, right? There's this sense of playfulness, connection, 
and flow, all right? So she says playfulness, and she describes this as kind of this, this lighthearted attitude where there's no agenda. We don't care about the outcome. We're just doing it to do it, right? We're just playing. You guys know what this is. We're just, we're just hanging out. If I play Uno with my family, I don't care who wins. I mean, we're kind of competitive, so we kind of care who wins as far as, like, the trash-talking part is concerned. But as far as, like, the actual I need to win this game of Uno, that's not it. So that's playing, right? Connection, this feeling of having like this special shared experience. Again, this can happen alone, but rarely is this, like rarely is like your funnest moment of your life like this time when you were sitting all by yourself, right? Usually there's people involved. There's connection involved. And flow is this thing she talks about when we're so engaged and focused that we just lose track of time, right? Like kind of like in the zone. Right? So it's possible for you to have flow going on and, and not fun because you're going to be so focused you just lose track of time. Oh, my gosh, where did the day go? I'm so swamped. You can have flow that way, but you cannot have fun without flow. Right? We've got to have that thing where we don't even care about the time. We're just intentionally being unintentional. We're just finding the fun. And if we do that, what happens when we start to have funner is again, we go from here to here. And why do we want to do that? For one, that's better for you. Obviously, that's great. There's many, many health benefits. But more importantly, as a Christian, it makes you a lot more able and capable to get to this thing that Jesus is asking us to do, to love people that are difficult to love. And you remember, fun is a feeling, right? It's not an action. I play golf poorly. But I like playing golf. If I go play golf by myself, it's okay. Usually what happens is I get really, is anyone play golf? Any golfers here? You can relate to this. If I play by my, oh, Pam probably can't because she's a real golfer. Um, <laughs> not like me. So when I go out to play golf, if I play by myself, what will end up happening is I'll have a good time. It's great to get a break. It's a nice time to get away. Ultimately, I will be frustrated at how things are going, because I think I should be better than I am at golf. That's just how it goes. For some reason, I don't have a practice. I just think I should show up and be good at golf, right? So that is the action of playing golf. Does that equal fun? It does not. If I play in a scramble with my buddy Cody, is Cody here? I think he's here in next service. If I play golf with Cody, Cody is like a, a really good golfer. So if I play with Cody, or even better, against Cody, it is so much fun because I am not supposed to be good. So if I ever hit a good shot and he doesn't, I can just talk so much trash to Cody. It's fantastic. We go back and forth. It's a great time. I've never cared my score when I played with Cody. And it's been a lot of fun. So can you see what I'm saying, though? Like, it is a decision that you make. On Friday, we had to go uh, take tickets at my son's football game. Right? And they have like the little scanners. So they catch you right when you drive in the gate, they get you, right? So me and my wife have to do this. We were assigned to do this. So here we go. We got two hours of this. I can't even see the game. I'm just standing there taking tickets, right? So here's the choice that I have. This is stupid. This is ridiculous. Most of them already have their tickets. Why are we even scanning these things? We can do that, right? I could do that. Or I can do what we chose to do and say, look, this week we're not getting a date. It's not happening. So why don't we make this our date? 
So we got two hours. We're taking tickets. We wear these ridiculous red vests we have to wear. We're almost getting run over so much. It seemed like a very dangerous setup. But it is what it is, right? And we chose to make that fun. So that was a really fun two hours. But it could have been a really boring two hours. There's probably lots of things in your life right now that can be fun if you just choose to find the fun in them. Make sense? Nod your head. Okay. Or you make noise. The last thing on this that I'm going to ask you to do in having funner is this. Regain perspective. Okay? So do some counseling in our house. We do a thing called breathing boxes. And essentially what you do to breathe the box is you take a deep breath in for four seconds. If you can picture a box in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, you blow out the air for four seconds, and you relax for four seconds. We're going to all practice breathing a box right here, okay? So don't, like, put your head down. I don't want you to be on the news for, like, forcing breathing on other people right now, okay? So let's take a deep breath in for four seconds. (gasps) Hold it. Blow it out. Just relax. Go like this. Everyone go like this. Some of you aren't doing this. We'll just breathe boxes all day if you want. Here's the thing. You can't help but to relax a little if you breathe some boxes, okay? And you can kind of clear that mind a little bit. we got to clear our mind a little. we got to regain some perspective, okay? It's not that bad. We're okay. You're going to be okay, okay? We're okay. As Christians, you're fine. As Christians, you have the good news. You've got it. No matter what happens, no matter how horrible it gets, your God wins, right? He died on a cross for you. For you. Think how angry you are. Think what a mess you are. I'm a disaster. And he died for me. And he died for you. And I think we forget about that sometimes. I really do. I truly do. I think we get so caught up in having to fix things right this second. And if we don't, God's not going to win. He wins no matter what. Okay? I'm not saying we don't stand up. I'm not saying we don't fight. I'm not saying we're not passionate about the things that you're passionate about. But I think we have to regain some perspective. And in doing this, right, in doing this, in taking intentional time to look around and to breathe some boxes and to chill and to just say, thank you, Jesus, right? Think of what you have. We use it almost like it's this crippling thing that we're Christians and we have to live this certain way. Think of what the world has to go to. They have nothing to go to. You have Jesus, right? So in knowing you have Jesus, this should prompt that thing inside of you to make a joyful noise to the Lord, Right? When was the last time you made a joyful noise to the Lord? And in you doing that, people can see that. And they're going to want that because they don't have that. It's not a crippling thing that you have Jesus and that he told us to live a certain way. It's an amazing thing. It is a gift, a true gift that you have Jesus. But we have to take some intentional time to regain perspective. If you read ahead in Matthew 6, it's talking about faith. And there's that that verse you've heard before. It's in lots of songs. And it talks about how if he cares for the lilies, how much more does he care for you? Right? Like, I mean, this is a God that puts so much thought into a wildflower 
so much detail. And that's a flower. You're made in his image. Think how much he cares for you. Think how much he loves you. Think how much he's there for you. And I know it doesn't feel that way. And I'm not going to tell you, hey, if you do this, life is going to get better. Because it's probably not. It's a broken world, right? We know we're in a broken world. This is not your home. Your home is with Jesus. This is temporary. So instead of the goal being let's just change everyone's mind, maybe the goal should be let's just enjoy this a little more and let some people see what we got going on so that they can find it and that they can have a moment where they regain some perspective and not just go into emptiness of the different ideas and beliefs that they have. If you've got Jesus in here, remember that he's there and he's not going anywhere and there's nothing you can do to make him stop loving you. And if you can hear that, and honestly, that does not give you some comfort, I don't know what's going on. Because that is a big deal, and that is an important deal. We've got to regain perspective. And in doing this, I promise there's going to be more smiles on your face. I'll tell you recently I've struggled with some stuff, kind of a lot of self-doubt stuff that I've never had before. Um, it's, it makes me uncomfortable, um, obviously, to talk about. But like really like that thought that maybe some of you have had of like this idea, like I'm, just, I'm not sure the value that I bring to things. Like things aren't going good in this area, this area. And like what's the value? You know what I mean? And I will tell you, like I've struggled with this a lot, been praying about it a lot, been talking to people about this um, a lot. And, and the thing that has really, 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 really helped me is, is me just taking some deep breaths, enjoying life a little more, and remembering it's not my strength, Right? but it's the, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? We learned that in Nehemiah, right? They're a disaster in Nehemiah. They're a mess. They've got all these laws and rules. They can't do it. We can't do it. We're not good enough. We, they're just, they're so upset. And he tells them, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So if you feel like you can't do this by yourself, you are correct. But that's okay. That's the good news is that you have Jesus. Right? And that spirit inside of you, it's there. We just got to utilize it more. So if we want to have funner, what do we got to do? We got to laugh. We got to find the fun. And we got to regain perspective. Okay. So you're saying, I'm in. I'm going to do it. Nod your head if you think you might. Try to have more fun. If not, don't come crying to me, okay? Try that this week. We're going to do a week-long experiment. Okay, I'm not saying that you stop working. I'm not saying that you're lazy with things. I'm not saying that you stop believing things. I'm just asking you this week to make a commitment to intentionally have funner. Okay, I'm going to give you some tips on how you can do this. First one, decide to be funner. Okay, you know when the best time to plant a tree was? 20 years ago. You know the second best time? Today. Right? Today, decide you're fun. Say I'm fun. Some of you have, I'm going to pray for some of you this week. (laughs) It's fine. It's okay. It doesn't make you lazy or a bad person to be fun. I think there's some confusion there. You can be fun. Say it again. I'm fun. I'm fun, darn it. Right? That's what you look like. (laughs) I'm fun. You're fun. Be funner this week. Just for this week. I won't tell anyone. Okay? Just this week, choose to be funner. The next thing is this. You're not going to like this at all. 
you have to remove the distraction. Not distractions, the distraction. What is the distraction in your life? Go ahead, take it out of your pocket and show it to me. Yeah, it's your phone. These are a problem. This is a problem, right? This is a problem. Your phone is causing problems in your life. Let's do a little experiment, okay? I want you to think in your head, most of you have iPhones. If you don't, I'm not sure how you even communicate, okay? So if you have your iPhone, I'm not sure what those other ones do. Um, They're big. Um, So I want you to think about how much screen time you averaged last week, okay? Like think about if you said, I'm going to put a number on my screen time, average is, you know, whatever, one hour, two hours, eight hours, ten hours. I want you to think of what that number is in your head. You know what I guarantee that number is in your head? Lower than what it actually is. You will be shocked when you leave here. I won't make you do it right now because you'll start crying. Your screen time usage is through the roof, and you have so many great excuses for why that's the case, right? It's always like, well, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I need it for work. It's that thing. It's not. Your phone is a distraction. It's a problem. And for a week, I'm going to give you a challenge, and you're not going to like it at all. And I did it this last week, and it was horrible, <laughs> okay? I did this, so I'm not, I'm not being hypocritical with this, okay? I have removed social media. From my phone, okay? Hold on, I haven't done that great. I removed social media. You know what I did? I figured out a way to get on, okay? I got online, and if I go to Instagram.com, I can just go there. So you know what I did? I said, Jen, change my passwords. Change them. So she changed my passwords. You know what I did? Found another loophole. They have your phone number. They'll send you a little code. You can get on one time if you want, right? Can you see why this is a problem, right? This is, I'm like a drug addict. Like, this is a horrible problem. So I said, fine, change that. Get it off my phone. I have no way to access my social media. Here's the next thing I did. Ooh, get ready for this one. I got on my little thingy on my iPhone where I can limit screen time and different apps. Oh, man. I give myself 30 minutes a day to access the Internet. You're like, well, that's not too bad. Give it a shot. Let's see how it goes for you this week. See how many times you look up, like, how long is a mile? How many feet in a mile? Right? What is that? What does that word? What does that word mean? I heard that before. Who was in that movie? I don't know. Look it up. What was the score of that game? Check it out. Thirty minutes a day, and that's it. Also, at <laughs> at 10 p.m. to 7 p.m., I can't do anything on my phone, but make phone calls and texts. That's it. That's all I can do. From 10 p.m. It's not that bad, right? Give it a shot. Let me know how it goes. So my challenge for you this next week, okay, are you ready for it? And you're going to loophole this as soon as I say this. No social media. I got a job. That's part of my job. If that's you and that absolutely is the case, figure out how much time you're spending to post and check what you need to check on social media and limit to that time. I was saying, like, hey, we got social media at our church. It's part of my job. It's part of my job. What am I supposed to do? We have social media. i got to check and see how things are going. What do people comment need me? Right? But what ends up happening for those that use social media? We check it out in, I don't know, 45 seconds. And then the next hour is spent what? Uh, Not interesting, not interesting, not interesting, but I'll still look. Let me ignore my kids, ignore my kids, ignore my family, ignore my problems. Right? That's what we do. For one week, I'm going to challenge you to not get on social media. If this gives you a heart attack, this is just for you. You need this, right? I would really strongly encourage you also to check out screen time limits. 
and to do something crazy like 30 minutes a day, or maybe it's less for you. Maybe it's no time a day on the internet. Maybe you have no problem with your phone. If that's you, you're lying, okay? All of us have problems with our phone. They're controlling a lot. I cannot tell you how many embarrassing moments I have had sitting in my living room on my phone where my children are dancing around trying to get my attention, and I'm looking at something that has absolutely nothing to do with anything important. You know what I found this, this last week? People can wait. For real. Like, if they can wait. Like, they'll be fine. You don't have to respond right this second to everything. You don't have to know the answer right that second. It's possible. It's possible to do this. So my challenge for you is to remove the distraction just for a week. And if you've got 50 reasons why you shouldn't, you've got to look at what, if those reasons outweigh what we're trying to accomplish here, and that's to lower that stress level so that you can have funner, right, in order for us to be nicer to other people. So try it for a week. Remove the distraction. Get rid of that phone for a week. I actually bought a flip phone. <laughs> I bought a flip phone. You remember those? I went to Walmart and said, I need the biggest piece of junk phone you have where I can just slip my SIM card in and use it and just use that phone. So I bought a flip phone. I had a flip phone for two days. Um, it didn't go that good uh, because, like, if you text from the flip phone, it's like a text message. But if you, you lose iMessage, I was making everybody very, very upset uh, at how to communicate with me. So I got rid of the flip phone. I actually have it. If you want it, I'll give it to you after church. Let me know. I'll give you my flip phone. Just slip your SIM card right in there. But really try to do this. Remove the distraction, okay? And this week, the next thing is this. This week, I want you for 10 to 30 minutes a day, like, really carve out time for nothing to go on. And just be with your people, right? Maybe it's a life group, so maybe it's a long time. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's some friends. Carve out some time, some intentional time with agendaless hanging out, right? We don't care what the outcome is. We're just there to have fun. The only goal is to have fun. Count your belly laughs this week, right? Pay attention to people's laughter this week. Do that stuff this week. So 10 to 30 minutes a day. And the last thing is this. I want you to start each day by remembering what Jesus did for you. Every day. Just when you wake up. I guess you could put a reminder on your phone, right? <laughs> I guess that's okay for this. You can still have reminders, I guess. Right? And just remember what Jesus did for you. And remember how much he loves you. And remember how things aren't probably quite as bad as you think they are right now. And that we're going to be okay. And it might not be on our time here, right? It might not be till he comes back. But remember, he wins. And you know that. And you've got that right there. And you've got that joy of the Lord inside of you. That's what your strength is. So start each day by remembering that. That can be 10 seconds. That can be reading something. That can be prayer. That can be silence. You can just sit up straight. Just sit up straight in the morning and just look straight ahead. And your wife will be like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm just thinking about Jesus, right? So just sit there. And if your kids see you doing that, and they're like, Dad or Mom, this is strange. What are we doing? You can say, we're having funner. I'm remembering who Jesus is. That wouldn't be so horrible, would it? If your kids saw you appreciate who Jesus is, there are worse things than that. So this week, your goal is to have funner. We're going to do that by laughing. We're going to find some fun and we're going to regain perspective. Okay. And the hopes that we get the shoulders from here to here.
so that when you come back next week and I absolutely punch you in the face with a message on being nice to people you don't love, you are more able to receive that message and to leave hopefully practicing and living it out. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to give this message. Lord, I thank you for the breath in our lungs that allows us to laugh. I thank you for the gift of laughter, for the gift of fun. I thank you for that medicine that we have without needing to take anything. Where we can just enjoy life that you've given us and the life that we have around us. Lord, I pray for everyone this week that they'll take some intentional time to just have some fun. Not to give up on hopes or dreams or or even the things they're worried about, Lord, but to take some time to just have some fun. For the parents in this room especially, Lord, we're so busy. We're so busy and it's so easy to have really good excuses why we don't have intentional fun time with our family. But Lord, give us the strength and the courage to make some changes. Let today be the day that some of us say we're going to start being funner. And God, again, in hopes that that changes things in our lives, that that relieves the stress in our lives, but more importantly, so it opens us up to live the way that you have called us to live. So Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. Be with them this week as some of these challenges are incredibly difficult for some of them, and I understand that. Give them the strength and courage to do that. Help them remember that the joy from you is the strength that we have, and we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what I got. One more thing for you. As you leave, for one, we have voter registration outside. So if you want to vote, register, okay? The next thing is this. We have a table for our kids' ministry. And if you would like to have more funner, you get to hang out with Ophelia, okay? We need help in our kids' ministry. Our church, I don't know if you know this or not, is kind of growing like crazy. Fantastic. We're super excited about it. It's amazing. What a gift. We are averaging over 200 kids under 12 a week. This means that it takes 48 volunteers a Sunday to put things on back there. Okay? So what this means is we need at least 48 volunteers per Sunday to sign up. If you are a parent, I really want to encourage you to pick a Sunday and sign up in kids ministry. We need you so bad. We have all these new families, and our kids' ministry is so fantastic. We don't want a new family to come and us not be able to have a class or us have to combine classes. We don't want to do that. We need some help. And the cheat for this is it's fun. Like, do you, if you want to have fun or go hang out with Ophelia, like, it's, it's fun. You can do it. There's a table out there. You can sign up. It's really important, and it's really important to take it seriously. We really, really, really need help. We had 10 people call in this morning. That couldn't come. So you can imagine, it's frantic. God always provides. We figured out a way. People are sick. This happens. But the more volunteers we can call on in those instances when people are sick, the better it is for your kids to hear about Jesus, which is what we're after, right? We're not looking to just play with the kids back there. We're trying to teach them about Jesus. So if you want to have some funner, head back to that table, sign up there in the lobby. That's all I got for you guys. I'll be out there if you have questions. I'd love to answer them for you. Thank you all for coming this week. Come back next week and we'll figure out how to be nicer.